Hello there, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality. So I want to have a brief introduction to those that are new and may, from, may be from totally different backgrounds. You can go to my website at ultimatemeaning.com where there is a flipbook with very original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me that answers exceptionally hard questions with some very unique answers. There is a full explanation there of many things. Print highlighted in red, there's lots of that. Many YouTube videos, that's what they are, links to YouTube videos that go to videos from many fields of science and archaeology confirming the reality of what I am sharing here. What I'm sharing here is not something religious to believe in. It is reality. It is the truth. It's not religious in the sense of the sociological perception of the word religious. Oh, that person is religious. Which often means they believe in something that isn't real and that causes division in society and is to their own detriment. No, what I am sharing with you is the opposite of that. What I am sharing with you is reality, and there is also a video on that website at ultimatemeaning.com where I explain clearly what reality is. I define what truth and reality is in a very scientific, integrous way that gives answers to many hard questions and confirms who the one true God could only possibly be. So you need to go there and check that out. This message is for those that have come to know the one true God, for whom to know is life eternal. And the one true God I can briefly explain here. is an ultimate perfection and manifestation of love that is the very source of love from which issues all creation. This love has such integrity that it will not condone the slightest that is contrary to love. Love being that quality that always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice because any lesser choice as such would have a measure of corruption in it. This love is the antithesis of corruption. It is the very destroyer of corruption. It will not condone what is contrary to love. Corruption is what destroys goodness. It is the opposite of love. This ensures a destiny where there is no corruption. No one is heaven. And there are many people that have died highly confirmed have been dead by medical equipment equipment, and have come back to life to talk about their experience in heaven. I have a book that I've written on it called Afterlife Incredible Irrefutable, which you can purchase on Amazon. Afterlife Incredible Irrefutable. You can get it on your phone or digital devices, a Kindle, or you can purchase it as a paperback. It's 368 pages of a large six by nine paperback. And that is a very exceptional, interesting book. No, it doesn't have any star rating because I didn't do any advertising or do things the right way. 
Maybe in the future I will. But any of the people that are reading this book, they won't be bored and they will find there are answers there that they won't find in some of the best sellers on this topic. So you can check that out as well. I am here to give a message to those that have come to know the one true God, for whom to know is life eternal, as described in the Bible in John 17. The one true God is not only integrous in his love, that he will not tolerate corruption or what is contrary to love. His love is so ultimate that he, as the creator of this vast universe, and we know how insignificant this planet is in the midst of such a vast universe. I need not go into that. Just take a look at what the James Webb Telescope, which is 100 times more powerful than the Hubble, has discovered. They know there are so many stars. And remember, light goes at such a speed that it can go around the world seven times in one second. And yet to get to the closest star that's like our sun would take, I forget if it's five or seven years. And in our Milky Way galaxy alone, there is between estimated between 200 billion and 400 billion stars. And there are billions of galaxies. And they estimate there is enough stars, some of them being way bigger than our star, maybe by a thousand times, I believe, yes. And the sun is a thousand times larger in volume than the earth. There's enough stars in the universe, and that's just what they can see with the most powerful telescope, which is the James Webb Space Telescope. That for every grain of sand, there would be a thousand stars. And that for almost the 8 billion people on Earth, there would be trillions of stars for each person. I forget if it's 18 trillion or 80. But God can come down to this little planet. He is that great. He's the creator. Yes, he can communicate with his creation. And he created us for his pleasure. And we only find our ultimate pleasure in him. And yes, he did come down in Jesus Christ in the middle of history, and his death was foretold in detail that could never have possibly been fulfilled in the details of what happened to Christ. Prophecies given thousands, over a thousand and some five hundred and so on years before he came, in detail. And yes, God became a perfect substitutionary sacrifice. He took judgment upon him for the sins of this world and for you as an individual. He humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, and suffered more than you, a mere creature, so that you could repent and receive eternal life. And also, by the way, in order for God to be almighty, he must be in three personages because he must rule in the three ultimate aspects of existence in conscious intelligence, which is beyond creation. In creation is the Son, and filling all creation and all dimensions of time and space as the Holy Spirit in omnipresence. Well, I want to share with you that have come to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What I have received this week, and I want to share with those that are true believers in the one and true living God. I want to share with you that are new 
how I do these messages. The Word of God says in 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. We are to seek to allow God by his Spirit to speak through us at all times, that what we share with our words might bring life to others and be edifying. And sometimes the sword of the Spirit must reprove the unfruitful works of darkness to cut off what is causing a cancer to spread to the lives of others, spiritually speaking. We are to always, and especially when we gather together, to seek to be in a relationship with God that allows the Spirit of God to rise out of us and to speak what God is wanting to say to build one another up. It is so lacking in the body of Christ. But God is going to bring a new order into the body of Christ where this will be the common practice, again, as it was in the early church. Before the church became corrupt and a hierarchy that persecuted those that truly knew, knew God within its structure its mother's structure. God is wanting us these days to be those that allow him to speak through us. There's another verse that explains this more clearly. It says in Revelations 19.10, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we, out of great reverence and awe and humility, Worship God in spirit and in truth. We are filled with his spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that results in creative utterances so that we speak as the oracles of God, whether it's just a testimony, a word of encouragement, or a song that is spontaneous where we only have a seed thought and you know, we sing it out and it breaks forth into a beautiful song that even many times can be poetic. I have seen this in an assembly I attended happen. And I've had it happen to me, and even sometimes in my private prayer time, when I've wanted to speak it forth in English. What I was feeling inside that I couldn't put in words in English effectually that comes forth naturally in tongues by the Spirit, but I wanted it in words, and it came forth because I knew what I was seeing by the revelation and animation of the Spirit on my heart. So I, to facilitate speaking as the oracles of God, cast lots to get the possibility of any chapter in the Bible using two independent random applications on the internet, that those two chapters might bear witness with each other as to the theme, as to the message of what God is seeking to speak at this particular time and hour to the body of Christ. So that's what I'm going to seek to do today. I also seek for God to lead me to a proper worship song. In this case, I just chose one. I did do the casting of lot, but I saw a song that I liked right above it, and I thought, well, you probably led me there so I'd see the song above it, because that one's a lot more beautiful in the words and the music and fitting, so sometimes that happens too. So we will, first of all, have the worship song, so I want to emphasize before we have this worship song that today is October the 8th of 2023, 
and yesterday, the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, war broke out in Israel. Israel is in a major war right now. They had a surprise attack from the south. And they attacked by drones, by sea, and by land. And many people have already been killed, and Israelis have been taken captive. There's been over, I think, 3,000 rockets fired by what I'm speaking right now. And maybe I should mention to you about this a little further after we have this worship song. Because I don't prepare anything in these messages. I just speak from my heart. Usually what I do is I meditate on the scripture for a half an hour and speak. But recently I've been only doing once a week. So I just touch on the various ones, including I might touch on what I received today. And so I am speaking after having a little bit of time for a half an hour meditating on the two chapters I received today. But that will be after I go into other things after this worship song. We're going to bring up this worship song now and sing it, and I will minimize myself in a moment here. These are the songs that are on my website, 149 of them, which you can use in your church congregation through an overhead projector attached to the Internet, through a laptop, which I also have the ability to do. Okay, so... If you can't see this right now, I'm going to minimize myself as soon as I play this song. Okay. of hell. 
Jesus the Lord has come indeed and he is calling the body of Christ to wake up at this crucial hour and what we see happening in the nation of Israel right now is most likely or very possibly the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38 which um I could touch on a bit here. <clears throat> First of all, before I touch on that, I want to mention that I met a former general of Romania, who was a top general, who became a believer and was severely persecuted by the communists in Romania. And he felt led after a meeting. He said God led him to come to me. And he said, I feel God's telling me to give you this book which he wrote and in the book he writes about the coming war that will happen in Israel because God gave him a vision of what would happen and this was about probably seven years ago or five years ago that this happened that he gave me this book and he mentioned at that time that there was I forget if he said 50,000 or 100,000 missiles. Right now, it's a fact, known fact, that there's 200,000 missiles pointed at Israel from Lebanon. Nevertheless, he told me that God gave him a vision and that he saw that these missiles would 
be fired from the north. And that one of the top generals in Israel would command for an atomic bomb to hit the north, which is what happened. And when this happened, then Iran and Turkey came against Israel with China, with Russia, and so on. And at that time, that's all he saw. But Ezekiel 38 reveals what will happen when Turkey and Iran and so on come against Israel. That is when God will bring his wrath upon them. It is described here in Ezekiel 38. And we have to remember in the Hebrew that the word for arrow and so on is like the word for missile in a modern words. And so these things are different in the Hebrew language. And of course, it was written in their language of that time, but this is a prophecy of the latter days. It says this in verse 8, After many days thou shalt be visited in the latter years. That's referring to the very end of time. Thou shalt come into the land that is brought back by the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. And they have been dwelling quite safely there for a while, generally overall, since they built a wall and some sections and so on. And thou shalt ascend, come like a storm, and thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands and many people with thee, thus saith the Lord God, that is Adonai Yahweh there in the original, it shall also come to pass at that time, at, at the same time shall things come into my mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought, and thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages, and I will go to them that are at rest, and that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. Now, that doesn't fully accurately describe Israel because they do have some walls. But in southern Gaza, they just have barbed wire walls. That's not really significant. So this is probably referring to that time. That could be now. To take spoil and to take prey and to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are many inhabited upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish, with all the young lions thereof shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take away spoil? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, Thus saith the Lord, in that day when thy people of Israel dwell safely. It says, thy, my people of Israel dwell safely. And really at this time, there had been very much prosperity there, except for COVID, of course. But overall, there's been tremendous prosperity, big cities and tourism and so on and so forth. Shall thou not know it? And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses. Now, of course, in this day and age, we don't know how many could be riding. Of course, they do even use horses nowadays in certain battles. A great company and a mighty army, but that could just represent transport. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days, and I will bring 
thee against my land, that the heathen may know me when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. And Gog is probably representing the leader of Turkey. Thus saith the Lord God, Adonai, uh, or Lord Yahweh, Art thou he of whom I have spoken in old time by my servants the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them? And it shall come to pass at that same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. So when the fury of God comes up in his face, there's going to be a great shaking in the land of Israel. Now, right now, the attack is mainly from the south in Gaza. But I heard a news reporter saying that the plan of the enemy is to have Israel take such a vengeful attack on Gaza that it gives an excuse for the north to launch then an attack upon them with those 200,000 missiles. And there's been some already signs of the north attacking. And, it, and Iran right now has got major truth movements towards Israel, as I am speaking. So this time will come when God will say enough. So that the fishes, and so this earthquake, the fishes of the sea and the fowls of heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth, that's speaking of the whole earth most likely. And all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence, and the mountain shall be thrown down, and the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. Now, this to me would indicate it's very possible that this prophecy is when the Antichrist comes against the Lord. But the reason I don't believe so is because this is not describing what sounds like the time when the Antichrist, but we know when the Antichrist comes against the Lord, there is a major earthquake where the towers of the earth fall around the world and the Lord returns on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives splits in half. So this could be that time as well. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God, Every man's sword shall be against his brother, and I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood, and I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain and great hailstones and fire and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am Yahweh, the one true eternal God, and Jesus Christ referred to himself as being the I am that I am, which refers to who he is, Yahweh, because I am that I am is referring to that name. I tend to believe God is going to use this to bring in a great gathering of the harvest. When the nations see how God delivers Israel, multitudes that believe in a counterfeit monotheistic God will be so delusioned that they will know who the true God is and there will be a mighty harvest of souls. And that is the harvest that is described in Revelations 14 that comes before the harvest of judgment, which is the harvest where 
the Antichrist is destroyed by the sword of light that comes out of the mouth of the Messiah when he returns on the Mount of Olives and the Mount of Olives splits in half. But this could also well be either a foretype or a foreprophecy and a double prophecy happening then and also at this point in time where there is a tremendous earthquake that destroys the enemy and also other means that God uses to bring his judgment upon this tremendous multitude of drones and of every kind of thing coming against Israel. So they take seven years for them to use up the waste material of destruction from those multitudes that are destroyed, which would definitely be Turkey and China, because that is also referring to northern China. You've got all those other nations referred to further on here in chapter 39. This could be the time we are in right now that is a, God is going to use to bring in the mighty gathering of the harvest, which is before the harvest of judgment. And after that harvest of souls comes in, then the real Antichrist appears on the scene. Right now we have in the world corruption in high places around the world and multitudes awakening to this corruption and realizing what terrible things are happening to them, coming to rise up against it. And at this point in time, they will also be overthrown. For he that sits in the heaven shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. And this will cause many to come into the kingdom of God. And then after this great harvest of souls, when the corrupt around the world, the elites are overthrown, with their plans for a one-world government and to reduce the world population down to only 500 million or 1 billion, as they say. Lord God will come on the scene and he will bring multitudes into the kingdom of God and there will be a short period of time of peace as multitudes come into the kingdom of God. And at that time, most likely President Trump will become president somehow, whether that's before the election or during the election. So this is what we are possibly facing at this time. And we as the body of Christ, for the most part, have been asleep. Right where I am here, there has been protests against, obviously, things that are totally destructive to innocent lives in the schools. I mean, obviously destructive to their innocent lives so that there is the Million Man March that has happened here in Canada. And now there's another one happening on October the 21st that the first march there was 1.5 million approximately. At this coming march, they're expecting about 6 million. And this is spreading around the world as well at this time. I was at one of the marches, uh, not in Vancouver, but another march to protest against what is so obvious to anyone that has got common sense that you don't take innocent children and violate the very laws of the of, of the Charter of Rights here and of all the other things and go against the rights of the parents. Innocent lives being told they can do these things behind the parents' back and then their bodies are mutilated and damaged. And many of them have been so decimated that have done this. 
that they commit suicide. The suicide rate among these are way, way higher than a normal person, obviously. So I share these things with you. We are living in that time. A time of great trial, as the song said, when we need to wake up as believers and arise and shine. For the word of God says in Isaiah 60 that gross darkness would cover the earth. That is happening right now. We see oppression everywhere. What does he say to his people? Arise and shine. For the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And his glory will come on those that know an intimate, real relationship with their creator. That have received Jesus Christ into their life as their Lord and their Savior. Yeshua HaMashiach. Yahweh, the Almighty's Elohim. Yahweh Elohim, the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As he is described in the Old Testament. Literally, the I am that I am. The Almighty's referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the original. Well, I want to share with you a few of the things I received this week by the casting of Lot. And so we will go to some of the things I received, which are here. That print is very small, I just noticed. I'll bring it up to be larger, because I know how to do that. And I'm going to touch on some of the things I received this week and just trust God to speak by his spirit. And so on Monday I received Micah 6 and Revelations 5 and by the casting of Lot before God in great reverence, I have been receiving Micah a lot recently, including this week and last week. And that is a very prophetic book of the last days. God is wanting us to be awake and prepared for these last days. In both of these chapters, there's a clear emphasis on knowing the righteousness of God that comes through the perfection of God's being of love to overcome corruption and become a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice on the cross. And I want to point this out. There is no love that can be greater than the love of who God is as is revealed ultimately in its crystallization on the cross. That God would be so integrous in his love that he will not tolerate the slightest corruption, and yet that he could himself come in human form and take judgment upon himself in the full expression of his being into the creation realm. The word son means expression. Hebrews Chapter 1, verse 3 says that Jesus Christ is the full expression of God the Father. Father referring to originator, the creator. Yes, God came in Jesus Christ into this world, the one and only begotten Son of God, or expression, full expression of the perfection of the being of who God is. He came into this world. And to think that God's love is so great, that he could humble himself more than you, a mere creature, and suffer more than you, a mere creature, on the cross. Just think about that. So that you could choose to repent and be forgiven of your sins. There is no love that's greater than this love or that could be imagined that is greater. Only this love could be entrusted with unlimited power, life, and authority without being corrupted by it 
or using unlimited life and power and authority in a corrupt way. Yes. Only this could be the one true eternal God with unlimited authority and life and power, and who alone is worthy, who is the very source of all beauty and of all good. Yes, he created us with our own free will so that we would have the capacity to love him and to be created for his pleasure, to come into union with him. But it's through repentance, it's through choosing to receive his love that was demonstrated on the cross in his blood that was shed on the cross for you and his body that was broken unto death for you. Will you cry out unto him and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner? Will you circumcise your heart and have a deep turning from your heart in sincerity and truth and call on the name of Yahweh, the Almighty's, and make him your Lord and Savior right now? Or later, you can go to a prayer on my website at ultimatemeaning.com. Just go to the contact link where there's prayers that you can pray with music there to receive the one true and living God into your life. So I want to share with you what I received here. And I want to emphasize that this quality of love that was in the being of God was in the being of God from the infinite past. God always was. Order was always over disorder. And I can't get into that. That you can learn more about in my website at ultimatemeaning.com where I talk about, well, since there's an infinite past, I guess evolution must have evolved to its maximum already, which would mean that there would be this ultimate being that would be greater than anything of the existence of the universe itself and would swallow up the need for time and chance so that it never was so. Yes, evolution is a total lie. It's a mastery of deception. And every field of science has been exposed now to show that that is the case. And you can find that out in my website at ultimatemeaning.com. There is a God, and there is heaven, and there is hell. And if you cut yourself off from the very source of love, a love that would love you so much that he would do this for you, why would you do that? Just for a temporal flirting pleasure where the enemy can use those baits to manipulate your life to total destruction and hell? Come on, you want to choose life. You don't want to choose the bait that leads to fate and everlasting hate. You won't enter the heavenly gate. You'll be in torment worse than any torment you can experience in this world without end if you reject such love. That's how serious it is. Yes, why would you reject love? There's no excuse. It's not reasonable. You can come to a place where you can make him the central treasure of your life. And if you feel like you can't give up these things, just confess your weaknesses to God and say, God, I just don't know how to let go of these things that are manipulating my life that can be used by the enemy. Just tell them your weakness and say, God, take away the desire. Oh, God, be my Lord and Savior. Call on the name of Yahweh now. And he will hear your cry. 
And I want to go on and I want to share with you now what I received. In Micah 6, we read the following. It's underlined in green. It says, Will Yahweh be pleased with thousands of rams or ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed the old man what is good and what doth Yahweh require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy, the mercy of God that he has the power to forgive you. Only God has the power to forgive sins because he only, has, only he has the ultimate perfection of being to take judgment upon himself and absorb all of that corruption in your sin and yet rise and swallow it and rise from the dead as he did in Jesus Christ, seen by over 500 witnesses at one time. Four lawyers wrote books trying to disprove the resurrection of Christ and were converted in the process because the evidence was so strong. And it says in Zechariah, in the last days when Christ returns to the earth, that he will set his feet on the Mount of Olives and it will split in half. This is Zechariah chapter 12, I believe. And it says, they will look on me. Me is referring to Yahweh, the one true eternal God. They will look upon me whom they have pierced. And at that time, Israel is a nation the one-third that escapes this major attack from all the nations upon them, they will come to know their one true eternal God, and they will receive Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah, who they pierced. And it's described there in Zechariah. There will then be the millennial reign of Christ upon the earth for a thousand years before there's... The recreation of a new heaven and a new earth, as is described in Revelations chapter 20. So the word of God is making it clear here. It says, we're to love mercy. And then it says this, the Lord's voice crieth unto the city, and the man of wisdom shall see thy name. Do you know what that word see is? perceive thy being is a more accurate way of describing the being of God's love. Perceiving rightly the being of God's love in these two aspects that I'm describing. First, the integrity of God's love that will not tolerate corruption, that will not tolerate unholiness. Perceiving that aright as good, not like Cain, who perceived the holiness of God as some dictator that demanded performance and he lost sight of the goodness of God because he was focused on the consequences of God's judgment and began to be unthankful in heart and thinking that he only could please God by bringing his own works to God and his hard work to God and God rejected it because he was not perceiving him as good in his severity against corruption and sin. But when we see that God is good and that we are, then we know we are guilty in the light of his holy, pure love, his integrous love that will not tolerate corruption and sin in our lives. And we can truly then rightly perceive God in his mercy, which is the other aspect. And so when it says the Lord's voice crieth unto the city and the man of wisdom shall perceive or see thy 
name or the being of God's love because his name is his very being and which is his authority as well. And it says, hear ye the rod, or hear the authority, the authority of God, the rod that comes out of his mouth, the sharp two-edged sword that will destroy the Antichrist armies in the last days, as described in Revelations 14 and in Revelations 19 at the end. That sort of light is a two-edged sword. One side is the integrity of God's love and the other side is the mercy of God's love that will destroy those that have rejected the love of God and held on to corruption and sought to promote corruption in rebellion against God and how he created things to picture the ultimate marriage of his corporate bride with him and of creation as part of that corporate bride with him, male and female. And yes, the enemy wants to pervert male and female because the enemy is in rebellion against God with demonic forces that are putting demonic doctrines into these people to destroy the lives of innocent children and others and to pervert them in rebellion against God. We are living in the hour when God's wrath and judgment will come upon the world with a mighty earthquake in the last days that will destroy the nations and bring all of their towers to the ground when he comes back and the Mount of Olives splits in half. And it's described in Isaiah 33 and other places. It describes in Isaiah 33 that the air will be filled with the glory of God such that when the wicked breathe it in, they will be burned to ashes. But those that know God will be filled with his presence and his life and his glory. And the earthquake will not affect those wherever they are throughout the world that love God and are gathered together. They will worship him in the midst of the mighty destruction that will happen upon the earth. So that's when the Antichrist returns. The question is, are we those that are the men of wisdom that perceive rightly the being of God and reciprocate the being of God in a love relationship with him because we've asked Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior and truly called on him from a true heart and sincerity to be the central treasure of our lives then you can receive from his authority. Hear ye the rod, and who hath appointed it? Yahweh hath appointed the rod, which is Jesus Christ, the rod that will come out of his mouth in the last days and rule upon this earth. We go on and we read in Revelations 5, which is the other chapter I received. And this is what we read here. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat upon the throne, which is the Father, a book written within and on the backside and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor at earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon, and I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders, 
saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. That is referring to Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. You see, in Jesus Christ, there is also the Holy Spirit in its perfection being sent out in its seven aspects into all the earth to seek those whose heart is perfect towards him. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign upon the earth. And I won't go on to read more. It is interesting that the four beasts are thanking God that they have been redeemed also. That is a mystery. By his blood. October the 3rd, Tuesday. I'll just touch on these. I also received Micah 1 the first time, and I cast the lot the second time. No, I received Micah 2 the first time, and then the second time when I cast the lot, which is actually the third time because I wanted a little more insight, I got Micah 1. That's amazing. Micah 2 got Micah the day before. This is by two independent applications in it. And and it's usually the second one is one and the first one is another. And then I think up here, yeah, it was the other application the day before that got Micah. And this is a different application that got Micah the second day. And it got Micah, and it's a randomizer where it just spins all the time. And then I just, without looking, click on it. I got Micah 2 the first time and Micah 1 the second time. And in Genesis 20, it reveals the power Abraham had with God before men, but also his imperfections that were still not sanctified because he had to, he lied about Sarah, his wife. It is contrasted with the false prophets and corruption of Israel in Micah 2. Now God brings forth a remnant out of great corruption in the nation of Israel in Micah 2. So that's what we have. So Abimelech is saying unto Abraham, why did you lie to me about your wife? God gave me a dream showing me that you're a prophet and I'm a dead man for if I would have taken your wife. These people were very righteous back then. They were probably the Philistines. They feared God. But Abraham says he did not perceive the fear of God among them so the people under Amalek, he probably had not done his duty before God to reprove them for unfruitfulness and to teach them the ways of God, which would have brought them into the fear of God. So when Abraham came into their midst, he did not perceive the fear of God among them, and he thought that his wife was going to be killed by them. 
or not killed by them, I should say, taken away from him by them. Sorry. Then Micah 2, it talks about false prophets, a man walking in the spirit of falsehood, do I, saying, I will prophesy unto thee of wine and strong drink. He shall even be the prophet of this people. I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together as the sheep of Bozrah, as the flock in the midst of their fold. They shall make a great noise by reason of the multitude of men. The breaker has come up before them. They have broken up and have passed through the gate and are gone out by it. And their king shall pass before them and the Lord on the head of them. This is a prophecy of the latter days of the Messiah coming to bring forth a remnant in the last days out of the nation of Israel. But it has the immediate judgment that is described also in Micah chapter 2 there. I will just simply touch on it. Now things re really were pretty awesome here too with uh, Wednesday, October the 4th. Both of these chapters speak of the tabernacle of the Lord of Yahweh being established in glory with the dwelling of God's presence among the nation of Israel and especially in the last days. Now in Exodus 29, it's describing a tremendous ordeal of sacrifice they have to go through just for the priests to be purified in their flesh so that the presence of God can dwell with their flesh among them. Because the animals can only purify the flesh by sacrifice. They can't purify the soul or the spirit, which was what happened after Christ rose from the dead, which is why it says in John 14, for he dwelleth with you. You know him for he dwells with you. Yes, a person could be born again before Christ came. That's obvious because Christ expected Nicodemus to know what that meant before he died on the cross. It's obvious because people like Enoch were translated. And yes, the scriptures that talk about Israel as a nation in the last days, having a heart of flesh, is talking about them being born again in the last days, but there was always a remnant in Israel that experienced being born again where the Spirit of God could dwell with their soul and spirit, and that would cause them to know the Lord, but their soul and spirit was not cleansed like it was after Christ. Then the way was made into the Holy of Holies. And so it says here, And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God or their Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they shall know that I am <clears throat> Yahweh, their Almighty's, which is El Elohim in the original for God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God, Yahweh their Almighty. So God, if you see all the animals they had to sacrifice just to purify the priests, it is amazing. But that's what allowed God to be so close to them as they did this in great reverence and awe before God and repented of their sins knowing that God is the source of forgiveness, but that there is a cleansing in the natural, physical realm that allows his presence to be with them. 
cleanse them from the contamination of sin. Haggai 2, 4-9 Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when ye came out of Egypt. So my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not, the enemies were telling them, don't you dare build the walls of Jerusalem. Don't you dare build the temple. And they became lazy at one point and quit building. And the Lord caused his province to prophesy against them. And they rose up in the fear of God and began to build. And I'm praying that this is what happens at this time, that the spiritual temple of God will be restored in the city where I am here. Recently, I so wanted to see a new order come into the body of Christ that I was praying and I said, Lord, I there's a building right here. I want to use it and have a meeting. And I said, but Lord, I need an, a laptop. And I gave my laptop to my friend that was poor. And somehow he accidentally broke it and got rid of it. So now I can't hook it up to use my on-screen thing and my and the overhead projector. So I said, Lord, would you please provide me the money to have this meeting so I can show songs on the screen, of, you know, overhead screen. That very day that I prayed that, my domain name sold for over 2,000 Canadian, but when they took the commissions off, it was just a little over 540-something, I believe it was, 1,540-something. So that answered my prayer. But now they're saying, I can't use the building because they're worried about people being upset. And yet they used to use it in the past with no problem. So I'm asking you to help me to, in, in prayer that God would make a way where there is no way for me to have a building. Do you provide the finances to have a building? Because in the brochure I share the new order that God wants to bring into the body of Christ so that he can dwell among us as never before in the last days. And I've written a book on it called, it's a better cover on there now, but it's called God Headship and Body Invasion, which you can get on Amazon as well as on Kindle. And all you can do in your local assembly to bring your, your assembly into a place where you do not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. And so this is an emphasis and God's wanting his people to wake up, not only to repent of loving the world, the gods of amusement, such as sports, spending hours in sports instead of praying, not only the gods of pleasure and materialism, but also of not letting God have his way in the gathering where we speak as the oracles of God, where each member of the body is free to function in the gifts, where the house becomes a house of prayer and you don't have pre-service prayer meetings, you start your service with a half hour, an hour, of prayer and that that's part of the service and out of that comes the worship and the songs and then freedom for people to move in the gifts of the spirit and testimony and exhortation and words of knowledge and prophecy and then the speaker speaks at the end and then you always have a meal after so that people start to know one another and if they're cliquish you cast lots so everyone sits with a different person for the main meal and then after with your dessert you can be with others but this is what I would like to do the meetings, probably about a four-hour meeting, but a wonderful time and certainly not boring. 
with the beautiful worship songs I have and all the other things that would be far from boring. So pray that God would provide and open the doors for this message to get across the land that the body of Christ would wake up and become his bride church in each city and town across the nation of Canada and across the nation of the United States and around the world in preparation for his soon return. Because this attack in Israel happened at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is about God tabernacling in our midst in corporate assembly. And so what do I get the next day? The last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Let's see, I, I don't know why I have that title up there. No, it's not about that, but... Um, I'm saying that because that was the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, which was yesterday, on Friday. But I got the Song of Solomon. And boy, did I see a lot in this. And I wrote it out probably roughly on the microphone, but I want to read it here. In the Song of Solomon, the key to seeing the glory of God face to face is to be purified from the subtleties that deceive us to sin so that we are not fruitful. In James chapter 2, which is the other one I got, we see to be purified involved a faith that is evident by our life of righteousness, lived out, that shows respect to love our neighbor as ourselves and to wholeheartedly love God instead of being controlled and corrupted by the loves of this world. This is why James in chapter 1 likens those that are not doers of the word to those that have beheld their face in a mirror and have forgotten what they look like. When we do not look at our own selves truthfully to judge ourselves in the light of who God is and his truth and in his word, we will not even know ourselves and we will certainly not perceive and see God in our heart so that we overcome all things. Remember the verse? The man of wisdom shall see his name, hear ye the rod, and who hath appointed it. Here, in the Song of Solomon, we see this picture being brought forth. It says, O oh, my dove, that art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs, let me see thy countenance. It is important to perceive the very countenance of God in our heart, to see that, to perceive him. Let me hear thy voice, to hear the communion of God's voice. Maybe it comes forth in tongues. We're perceiving things and then speaking it forth. The perceiving can also be the hearing. For sweet is thy voice. It is also the hearing of the heart. And thy countenance is comely. Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. So it's dealing with the subtleties of sin, which are the spock, little foxes that spoil the vine and spoil our fruitfulness in the knowledge of God. It says we're to be fruitful in the knowledge of him. When we know him from our heart, there is an outspring of fruitfulness in our lives. God's wanting us to overcome the little foxes that spoil the vine. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies until the day break, and the shadows flee away. 
turn my beloved and be thou like a rose or a young heart upon the mountains of Bether. The Lord is returning. He's coming soon. And he's calling us to let the day star arise in our hearts, to let the shadows of our own corruption that cause us to be unfruitful, to fall away till he is fully day within our hearts. Let the day star arise in your hearts, brothers and sisters. His coming is soon. So I emphasize James 2, 8 to 12. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law's transgressors. So, brothers and sisters, I cannot go on for time to share much more for what I received today, but I received uh, Psalms 24, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place, he that hath clean hearts and a pure clean hands and a pure heart. God wants us to ascend into the heavenlies with him, but we must have clean hands and a pure heart. And Ephesians four, of course, is talking about us living a life that is pure and holy. And then emphasizing that we come on to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, I've been preaching for a long time, so I'm not preaching and getting into this in detail. But you can see what God is saying by his Spirit for these last days. And so this is the hour to wake up and come into a new order in the body of Christ. And anyone that wants to align with myself, if you know where I live, I'm not going to give it out on the internet. Phone me. Tell me you want to help me in starting a, uh, an assembly. That's what God's wanting me to do. I want to do it. It seems he's confirming that. He's provided the laptop for me. And yet these people are not allowing me to use the place. So God will provide another place. Pray that that place is provided, that there's the financial provisions to do this work in these last days and to awaken. I would like a platform to awaken the churches to come into this new order across the nation of Canada and United States and around the world. There's an uprising in Canada that's spreading around the world to march against all of these terrible works of unfruitfulness that we are called to reprove, the works of darkness that are happening to our innocent children in the public school system. Now it's spreading around the world and it's increasing and the marches will increase in size. It is time to rise up and to be bold, to lay down our lives, to not love our lives unto the death. God if we know a love relationship with God, he will take away our fear in the time when we are facing overwhelming odds and the threat of our own lives. He will give us the courage and the strength. All we need to do is call on his name and abide in him. Thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all.